Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners. Thank you very much for joining us. We are coming close to our 50th episode of the HR on the Offensive podcast. And if you count the In the Spotlight podcasts, which are run by the HR Guild on this feed, then I think we're above 50. But for just the HR on the Offensive podcast, we're getting very, very close to 50 podcasts. And when we get to the 50th podcast, I am going to call on my crime fighting duo partner because she was the one that did the first ever HR on the offensive podcast with me way back when before lockdown was even a thing. It is Emily Onis uh, who is one of our exec directors at Lace Partners. Ems how are you doing you all right? Hey Chris I'm good thank you yeah I, I'd completely forgotten that the first did. one. Ah. We did we did the first one together you and I in the off in the old office that we had all of those years ago when lockdown wasn't even a consideration but before we introduce our guest as is the um, tradition now what Emma and I do um, just for our guest Roly and I'll introduce Roly in a second we have to we choose a crime fighting duo that we reference ourselves as so we've had Turner and Hooch we've had the people from Midsummer Murders and my selection this week ends Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. I don't think we've done them yet, have we? Maybe not, maybe, but I like it either way. So we have. So we'll, so, I'll take that's better than Turner and Hooch. I mean, that was a short, <laughs> that one. That wasn't that wasn't a good one, was it, to be honest with you. Ch- deciding who should be Hooch and who should be Turner wasn't good, but you can, it's nice and easy as well because one of us is Scolder, one of us is Mully, Scolder, Mully, Mulder and Scully. So it works a little bit better. But enough of my drill. Let's focus on our conversation today, which is around performance management and performance management trends. And to do that, our guest is Roly Walter. And Roly runs a company called Appraised. Roly, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Very, and thank you very much for having me on the show. Yeah, we're not going to reference you because obviously Mulder and Scully is all about like X-Files and aliens and stuff like that. So don't worry, I'm not going to make any alien reference jokes or anything like that. <laughs> uh, we're going to focus on we're going to focus on appraised, but also specifically performance management, because you and I spoke about this previously when we yeah. were talking about what we'd like to talk about on this podcast. And there were some interesting um, interesting trends that I think are worth us exploring. Before we do that, though, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and then also about your business as well, appraised and what appraised does? With pleasure. So my background is, I'll give you the very short version. So I did an engineering degree, so I'm interested in technology. I then went off to work at Goldman Sachs in HR as a sort of business analyst. And I was there for a couple of years. This is my very first job. This is year 2000. And I was there, yeah, for a couple of years. And it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. It was fascinating understanding what HR does obviously there's a lot of kind of process and stuff like that and this is there's a huge opportunities for improving those processes which is what I was working on uh, as a business analyst and um, creating internal web apps and stuff like that was great fun but also also led me to learn more about performance management and how you you know how you we did annual appraisals and 360 degree feedback and stuff like that and you know this kind of intersection between people and technology and how you could use technology to help people at work um, not just kind of get stuff done but be their best selves effectively be 
most kind of performant. Um, I found that very interesting. Anyway, let's skip forward a number of years in the wilderness. And I then find myself, uh, I'm at home, I've been working on performance management, I've been working for a consultancy that did performance management training all around the world. And I thought I need to, I want to get back to technology. There's a, you know, huge kind of new excitement in the world of technology with things like, I don't know, Facebook and Gmail and stuff like that. Um, I think it's time to have another look at this. And so I was at home uh, and I thought, well, I'm just going to do the Eric Rees Lean Startup thing. I taught myself to code or retaught myself. And I had a garden shed built at the end of the garden and tried to quickly get something up and running, an MVP, just in time for my kind of first child to be born. That was my kind of deadline because I thought if I don't do it by the time he's born, that's it. I'm going to I'm going to get too scared and uh, have to go and get a proper job. (laughs) And uh, and then, yeah, so that led me to appraised and. I think, you know, what I wanted at the time was I, I knew that appraisals were seriously derided by pretty much everybody and everyone was kind of fed up with them and looking for new ways. And at the same time, employees were expecting consumer-like experiences from their enterprise apps. You know, we were able to call a, an Uber or update your Instagram or whatever, but why weren't enterprise apps like that? Why didn't they have that kind of usability? And we know that if you if you can improve the, the UX of these apps, then people find them so much more engaging and they are prepared to put so much more effort uh, into them. And so I thought, right, that's great. Let's take that and let's do it with appraisals and performance management. And then at the same time, of course, there was this movement to continuous performance management. So when we set out to build appraised, it was very much with that approach in mind. That's great. I mean, fascinating story. Um, just like listening there, thinking, oh, my, wow, so cool. Like the engineering into HR and the technology spin, it's, it's, it's lovely. We need more people actually like that in, I think, in the HR profession as well, coming from those, some of those non-traditional backgrounds. Um, so kind of on that topic of continuous performance management, a lot of organisations are either talking about it or may well have started to move to that. Now, what are you seeing as perhaps some of the the benefits within the organisations that you're working with, and maybe on the flip side, some of the challenges or things you have to consider? Sure. Okay. So I think it's really interesting. So I some research I saw the other day. I reckon about fifty percent of um, companies in the states are probably still doing an annual appraisal. So there is there's a lot of people still doing that, and but are considering. Um, continuous performance management and I just thought you know if you're starting a company today would you ever start with a an annual appraisal process would you think okay guys you know we've got to we've got to think of some sort of review mechanism let's do it let's do it once a year I just really don't think that would happen now and the reasons are kind of just all quite straightforward it's it's just the way we live. You know, people want to give and receive regular feedback all the time. They, um, it's it's a it's a totally obvious and open thing that people want to develop and get ahead with their lives and their career. So and then they need that feedback. It's really valuable. Things like uh, business plans and objectives. It's you have to know all the time that you're working on stuff that is still relevant and important to the business. And these and what what the priorities are do change. Um, you know, on, let's say, a quarterly basis or very frequently. I mean, when I was at Goldman Sachs, we used to set objectives for the next 12 months. And it's, you just couldn't do that nowadays. 
so you know it just it's a no-brainer really it's being able to adjust what you're doing and how you're doing it in response to the the constant flux and change of the business um, the economic environment of course and things like covid you have to be able to adapt and a change and so a continuous process just works so much better so that's the that's the theme that's what people are asking us for and it's it's quite interesting but you know having said that there are some challenges so i'm glad you asked we do especially for the companies that are have been doing a kind of an annual process for so long as well and that the, it can be tied into so many other things as well i could go on and on and on if you like but <laughs> <laughs> well no, i mean the, the challenge is one i ask because it, you know it's um i've had a few conversations as i'm sure you know all of us have recently where people are going i love the idea we really want to make that change but it's too big a cultural shift for us and, and but to your point, really, I'm sitting there thinking, I completely understand that. But do we have a choice here? It kind of feels like something we we have to do to maintain, you know, our relevancy, to do the right things for for individuals. But again, it always harks back to that. What about the line manager capability as a people manager? The openness that you have a, as you know as an organisation as well, and what that might mean for you. So I wonder if there are any other sort of prerequisites, I guess, that that might be required to really enable the success of moving to an ongoing dialogue for performance management. That's a really good question, and I think there are some prerequisites. I think a, a cultural shift does have to happen, and it's not an easy one actually for everybody because you have to be a you have to be a different sort of a manager, I think. You have to become a bit more like um, the sort of servant leader that people sometimes talk about, where instead of thinking of your pyramid of employees with your manager at the top looking down and saying, mm, this guy's doing okay, what about her or him? You know, okay, we need to we need to solve this problem and, and blah, blah, blah. You have to reverse it. And Well, I find it easier to imagine that pyramid upside down. And in fact, one of our clients really helped me see this and it was great. So they see they have gurus who are the kind of customer facing people and they really see them at the top on the outside facing the customers. And as a as a sort of servant manager, as a coach, you're there just sort of behind keeping everything going and um, just optimizing things. And if something if, if part of the machinery doesn't work so well you go and spend time, some time with them which which means you know sitting down with them maybe doing a coaching plan over six weeks with that person and you know you are there to support all of those people and I always almost imagine having a like an SLA as a manager that you you offer to the to your team and you say look you are the guys who are going to do all the work pretty much I am here as a as a service to help you be your most kind of performance and best self and you know so that you can thrive and that's my job and so that is a bit of a, a kind of cultural shift and people who've spent 20 years you know climbing the ladder to, to, to kind of gain that authority and respect might struggle with this but you know anybody who's um, willing to adapt will see that it's a no-brainer. Yeah do you know what's interesting so I went for a walk the other night and it, it must be because it's obviously the time of the year and we're doing it at Lace as well. You know, everyone at this time of year is putting together their annual performance review stuff for the next year. So we're kind of timing this podcast quite well. But I went for a walk with my wife and she's going through the same process as well. And I started to talk about this conversation about the idea of continuous, um, uh, continuous performance management, because what she was bemoaning was, in her view, 
the pointlessness of, well, we create these objectives for the next year and then we put them in a file somewhere so that head office all the way over there in the States or mm-hmm. you know, in another country can keep them on file and they're completely useless. And we end up looking at them and everyone then has to spend four or five hours. Just it's almost like when you get your homework the night you, you do your homework the night before it's due type thing. That's how she was describing it to me. I started to talk to her about this idea of, well, you know, that continuous approach. So doing it on a regular basis, as opposed to having to then leave your homework right up until the the last moment, so to speak. And she embraced the idea as a, as a concept, but she, she asked me, she said, is it not a challenge that I'm just going to have too much information? I'm just going to have too much stuff to do given that I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ops person and, you know, I've got a day to day job and then I'm being asked to do this on a, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, like, how would you respond to that? Uh, my hypothetical wife, if she was sat here in the room with me asking that question, maybe you Rowley. Okay, so if I employed, suppose I ran a large organization, a very large organization with hundreds of employees, let's say, or, or more. And somebody said, look, do I really have to tell you how I'm getting on with all, all my work frequently? And so that you can know on a monthly basis whether your company is going in the direction you want it to. I would say, yes, you absolutely do. I Because, you know, I need that information to know that everything's working smoothly and that we can, you know, we can we can change course if we need to. But but one of the things I think is the benefit of everything now being online is that a lot of the kind of admin and tedium of that can be taken away. So we can do things like connect to other data sources so that actually you don't have to go and copy paste data from your CRM system into your performance management system or your OKR system. So that does help enormously. I think, you know, now the fact that so much of our work can be measured online in some way um, does help a lot. But I do sympathize. We certainly don't want to add unnecessary admin and bureaucracy to people's lives. That's that would be appalling. <laughs> and and how are some of those organizations that perhaps you're working with at the moment really you know with with appraised how are they going about maybe moving to more of this continuous performance management culture and perhaps implementing technology to support that so it's a real mixture and it's fascinating and you know no no two companies are the same so we've got some who say this is fantastic we we we, we love it it's, your system is really simple and it's going to be great we're just going to have check-ins and we're going to forget all about our ratings and and all that kind of stuff this is great and we're going to be positive we're going to have a growth mindset and we're going to trust people uh, and it's going to be fantastic and then we get through the implement halfway through the implementation and someone says oh hang on a minute but actually we need these ratings so we do this pay review every year and then we do this and then we have to work out who are going to be our future leaders and put them on this program and all of that but actually we can unpick these and just because they were all used to be done at the end of the year um in one big word document doesn't mean they have to be done doesn't have to mean that it's done like that online um, so we'll we'll separate the processes out and make it more of a continuous thing that happens throughout the year. And so we can, okay, we, uh, we've got a gaming company, for example, and they will have a six month kind of repeating cycle of um, reviews with different topics. So I think this is really cool. So in month one, they do 360 degree feedback. Month two, they have a career discussion with, with the manager. 
month three they will talk about your kind of skills month four they'll talk about workload and um, your kind of effectiveness and so on so they will tackle these different things at different times of the year and then they'll repeat it for the next six months of the year as well so we're seeing lots and lots of different things i think one of the things that that we do uh, particularly well if i may say so is working with organizations that are trying to make this transition so we are very accustomed to some really archaic processes that need to gradually change over three years so we've got quite a few clients who have come to us and they say this is what we want to do but we know it's going to take us three years to get there we've got a cultural shift to go through and we've got some really thorny practices and data processes that we need to kind of gradually unpick and it's going to take us a while and we're by the way we're also introducing other systems and things and other initiatives oh and we're, we're going to go through a merger and stuff like that and so we provide a very a service that's very kind of handheld and we kind of really understand that and we we think in terms of three years five years and so we we acknowledge that it can take a while for people to to make this shift yeah, I think that's, you know, you've hit on two really important things there, at least from when we work with organisations who are doing this as well, Roly, which is you've got to think holistically. So this is one part of the overall end to end talent strategy and approach, I guess. So, you know, you, you're yeah. having a development conversation, you've got performance in that might may or may not tie to reward. Some organisations are decoupling, but that's quite hard. Um, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah. And then you've obviously got the talent and succession side of that. But also the point that you said around it's a journey. Because um, yes. this, you know, we all know it takes time, but I think sometimes when you do these initiatives, there's an expectation that change does happen overnight. So it's also about, I think, how you provide support to help embed what you're trying to achieve with something like moving to a, you know, a continuous performance management culture, if I if I call it that, versus a, a process. Because yeah. I'm with you. In the old world, it was very tick boxy, process driven. Oh darn it! I wrote them 12 months ago. Oh, I've got a week to go before the review. Quick, quick! Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> We've all been there, <laughs> if yeah. we're honest. So, so no, I just thought it was really, really insightful that and sort of to, to highlight some of those things as well. Really, really helpful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is one other interesting thing, which is even though we so we have a lot of clients who are doing continuous performance management and have check-ins the whole time. They're doing talent reviews at different times of year and, and all kinds of things. There is, it is still can be very hard for them to let go of something happening at the end of the year, some kind of year end review. And I don't know that, that and, you know, we have been talking about this shift to continuous performance management for 10 years. But why hasn't it happened faster? And I, I think this is really interesting and we shouldn't just say, well, they're all bad and slow, these companies. There is something people like about an end of year review. And this is a really like almost like a dirty hidden truth, I think, is that actually a lot of people like to reflect over the last 12 months and think about the next 12 months and think in that on that sort of time scale. And we should let them do this. You know, I like to do this myself whenever um, it's coming up to New Year, you know, and I'm driving off to see my in-laws, maybe. I'll sit in the car and I'll think about what's happened over the last year. And I think maybe you think, might think of a New Year's resolution or something like that. And it's a very natural thing to do. So we do have a lot of clients who have embraced performance, um, continuous 
performance management continuous feedback but they still like to have a 12-month reflection and you know instead of calling it an appraisal it's more of a, a reflection and thinking about the future yeah it's like a mindset shift isn't it it's we're yep. all so culturally ingrained as humans it's almost like like you say it's like the calendar year finishes on the 31st of December and everything resets and so as humans we're naturally programmed to have to have that reflection point but absolutely what I was quite I was interested to hear you talk about you talked about a gaming company and you're talking about different types of businesses that embrace this is there any trends from a the types of businesses that you can see could you spot when you come across a business can you spot a business that is going to embrace this and do it well are they a particular size are they working in a particular sector because when you said the word gaming the first thing that i thought was yep innovative tech focused um you know probably quite dynamic business so naturally would they be leaning into this idea of this continuous performance management as opposed to a huge perhaps you know multinational financial services business with hundreds of thousands of employees globally where they need to have you know a, a, a standardized system in place so that they can they can almost measure everyone equally good question so yes there are some trends but it's i would say it's not as distinct as you might imagine so yes we've got very kind of high-tech companies who want to do the latest thing the latest thinking and they're very conscious of this they're, they're struggling to attract and retain the right talent because there's such a, um you know there's just not enough rock star coders and things like that around so they've got to be you know this is a huge kind of value add that they provide as an employer so yes they're really investing in this having said that you know, to take an example, if you go to Covent Garden Market and you see a, um, a security guard or a cleaner there, they will be having a quarterly review on our system, which I just think is fantastic. So they don't sit behind laptops. Um, the manager will go around with an iPad, in fact, and, and, and go through it together on the screen and talk about how they could, you know, how, how they're getting on, what they what they're enjoying, what they could develop um, and so on. And so that's really said to me that really this is applicable to anyone. But yeah, of course, the professional services and um, high tech sectors are probably leading the way, I would say. You know, with professional services, as you know, there's a lot of teams, very fluidity, a lot of fluidity around the teams. They come and go and they, they kind of form and then dissipate. And so you have to really be on top of the feedback and development um, in the moment because by the end of the year the whole company looks completely different almost so yeah that's what I found I don't know about you guys yeah no I really really agree um and it's it's just making me reflect that we can move to this kind of ongoing conversational dialogue about performance development and it being at an individual level tied to business goals all that aspirational stuff but I just wonder at the end of the day some individuals they're going to want to know how they are performing compared to their peers and how does one do that so in the past that would have been ratings we probably all had our own experience of the good and the bad of that um, and have our own opinions on that but I'm just wondering are you seeing kind of you know ratings are dead because some organizations have got rid of them and I think but if you've got rid of them ultimately if you're tying performance to reward in some shape or form you are starting to compare people you kind of are rating or ranking people you're just not being explicit about it so I just again wondered what your thoughts were on that slightly potentially controversial topic Roly. <laughs> I love a controversial topic so the answer is 
we often talk to our clients about getting rid of ratings. And like I said before, they people will come to us and say, oh, this is fantastic. Let's get rid of all of this. But they won't always go away. And we've got many organizations who love their ratings and they have employees who really like them. And they say, OK, well, this is all mm. nice, but, you know, where am I? And and so I I can't see them going away forever, but perhaps it's it's done in a different way. So instead of perhaps assessing everybody at the same time of year, and we've got lots of problems with that, we've got the bias of the manager, we've got recency bias, you know, what you did last week might impress. And so we've got lots of problems with that, but you can unpick um, some of these. And we've got one organization, a house building organization, where using the competency framework is a is an optional thing that you can do with your manager so you have your check-ins and then every now and then you can say look i'm i want to get ahead i'm ambitious or i want to get promoted can we please go can we have a kind of competency review or skill review and that kind of gives the manager the authority and the authorization to say yes let's let's go through there and this is where i judge you and this is why there's nothing silly about that. That's just really, really helpful to that person. And because they've almost requested it themselves, it's much it's much better received. It has more power as well, doesn't it? I mean, if you think about, and you can also start to then identify those highly engaged employees that potentially are future management material. Because if you've got somebody who over a period of time just isn't actually looking at their own career and saying, you know, I want to evolve, I want to get better, then you've got somebody that potentially you can say, well, maybe this person is just a person that wants to stay in that role. And there's nothing wrong with that. that you know, that's yeah. their that's their role. But these people that are regularly saying, putting their hand up and almost saying, me, 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 I, I'd like to, you to tell me how I can improve. What do I have to do? To, that's when you can start to identify because they're so proactive, because they're so engaged as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just got, we're just coming towards the end of podcast now. Uh, it's been, that's actually flown by and I've got, there's loads <laughs> more questions and loads more bits that we could probably delve into. And if we were in a pub recording this, it'd probably go on for about two hours. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, we're on Teams calls and uh, and we're all in different locations. But um, I wanted to just drop the, just drop a final question to you, just a, a, a top line question, if you like, which is, there's so much to unpick about what we've talked about today, but if there was one thing that you could leave our listeners with that you say, if you're going to think about going to take nothing else from this podcast, take this one nugget of information, what would that be from your perspective? What's the most important thing that you'd like to get across to our listeners today? I think the most important thing is why it is also why I'm doing this, which is the thing I'm really interested in is how you can I'm really interested in this relationship between manager and employee and how can you get the best out of each other? How can they get the best out of each other? So if I was in HR trying to design a performance management process or system or implement something, that's what I'd be focusing on. How am I going to get great conversations and a great relationship between these two people all over the business? And then how do I and then the system is what I used to know that that is happening to be certain if I was if I again if I was the, the boss of a 1000 person organization and I go into the I don't know the, the the canteen or whatever and I see a thousand people it would be incredible to know that all of those 1000 people has a good relationship with their manager and they are working together to get the, the best from each other 
and that's it really it, you know that's what we're trying to do through designing these processes and these tools that's fantastic and what a lovely way to end that kind of like you know utopia position that we want yeah. to be in it's really really good to talk to you today Rowley thank you very much for coming on the podcast absolute pleasure and Ems uh, Dana Scully thank you very much for uh, being my partner in crime and firing questions at uh, Rowley today always <laughs> Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, please subscribe. You can subscribe through Spotify, through Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can access our back catalogue on our website as well, which is www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. On behalf of Emma, uh, Rowley and myself, uh, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.